Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Kern. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. Today is a very special day in the life of the Curran family and, and Carrie and my life. It's the birthday of our oldest daughter. Well, let me take that back. The oldest daughter that's living. Yeah, so today I'm going to share about names, children, and the mystery of of walking the path in married life that involves children, which also can involve the cross, which does involve the cross, but also the resurrection. I'm going to get into all that today on the program in just a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you. We thank you. I love you, Father. I love you. Jesus, I love you, Holy Spirit. Praise be to you, Almighty God. I love you. And I thank you for the gift of, of my life and of creating this world, this beautiful world. Jesus, thank you for dying for us on the cross. Thank you for sending us the gift of your Spirit. Thank you for the mystery of, of giving us a share in bringing uh, human beings, bringing life, bringing about life, sharing in the work of creation. Lord, you are amazing. You are awesome. It is a wonder that you give us this grace. Lord, help us to honor this gift by how we live. I pray for all married couples that we would Truly honor you, Lord, in that power of procreation that you've given to us, that we would honor your plan, your purpose for married life and married love. And I, and I pray for children. I pray for all of our children and for those listening who have grandchildren and great-grandchildren and even great-great-grandchildren. Lord, bless them each and all. We do pray for a blessing down through the generations. I do pray in a special way for Mary Grace. Uh, I pray for her, Lord, as she turns 24. Jesus, just bless her with a great year, a surprising year of flourishing, of abundance, of surprise gifts and graces. Let continue to help her to, to know and to live the call that she has in her life to be a saint and to fulfill the God-given mission that you have for her and give me the grace to be a good father to her. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So you probably figured it out from my prayer, <laughs> my introduction. Today's a special day in our carry in my life because it's the birthday of our oldest child, Mary Grace. And those of you that have sort of walked with Carrie and me and walked with me, um, having been on the radio now since 2003 and uh, on a daily basis since 2005, I the approach that I take on Sound Insight is to share in a way that's a bit vulnerable and authentic, a bit transparent about 
the journey, the journey of life that the Lord has us on. This is a journey, right? This is, we're on the way. We're not home. And if you can find a companion for the journey, someone who can walk with you on the way, it can be such a support and encouragement and hold you accountable. Those three things. Again, these are themes that you hear about quite a bit on the program. But these are things that I live, or I, I, I strive to live them, right? I want to say I live them, but when I say I live them, I also become aware of the ways that I don't live them. Well, today becomes a day where I was pondering. I'm saying, Lord, what, what should I talk about today? And and seeing that it's it's my daughter's birthday, I thought, oh, you know what? Yesterday, yesterday the program, I ended the program this really powerful passage from the Catechism of the Catholic Church that focused on the name of Jesus, how the name of the Son of God born on earth came from heaven. Joseph didn't decide the name that would be given to the baby in the womb of the Blessed Mother. The Blessed Mother, Mary, did not decide the name of the child that would be born from her. She knew it was the Messiah, the Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, but she didn't know the name. Where did the name come from? The name came from God, through the angel, the messenger of God, and that name is Jesus. And yesterday, at the end of the program, we were drawing out, we were drawing out the power of the name Jesus spoken. It's, that, it's the only name that when the name is spoken, the presence of Jesus, the presence of the one named, breaks into that moment. I love that. And I hope that that's something that you took away from yesterday's program, to cling to the name of Jesus. His name has power. His name makes him present when spoken in faith, when spoken in, in, with a sense of expectant faith, with an alertness, we could gain awareness to his name. And his name means God saves, right? His name gets at his identity. He's God and he's come to save, right? What's, what, does, does the name Jesus uh, evo- uh, manifest his identity or his purpose? Yes, a vision of who he is, or identifies the mission for which he came. Yes, he is God, and he's come to save. This is who he is, and this is what he's about. So, holding on to that concept that a name is important, a name gets at identity and purpose, a name can have a sense of deep connection and manifestation of who someone is and what they are to be about. And on top of that, a name can also be connected to God, meaning that a name can come from God. A name of a child can be discerned rather than decided. Did you hear that? I think that, again, the typical or the ordinary experience of parents is when they discover they're pregnant, they're going to, well, make a big decision. Are they going to find out, is it a boy or a girl? And, and whether they find out or not, there will be the list, the list of the names that are in the running. <laughs> what will we name this child? 
if this child is a boy, if this child is a girl, or if you know, oh, this child's going to be a boy. And then there's this sense of saying, well, what will we name him? What will we name her? And, you know, sometimes there are these preferred names or family names. But one of the things that Kerry and I did from the beginning, from the beginning, from for every one of our children, it was, Lord, give us a prompting. Give us an insight into the name that you will for this child, for our child. And, and just, I want you to just hold on to that. Hold on to that as, as, as an approach. I'm not saying you have to do it, right? Uh, some, I, I know a lot of you are not in childbearing years, but carry the idea. Bring the idea to your, to your children or grandchildren or friends. Hey, you know what? Ask the Lord. Lord, what's this child's name? Lord, the, Lord you are the author of life. You have held this child as an idea in your mind, in the divine mind, from all eternity, and in granting us a share in your creative power, and in granting us the gift of a child that is now growing in the womb of Carrie, Lord, you have willed this child into existence. What do you have for this child's name? Give us this insight. And what I, I again I love I love this because it puts God right in the center of the activity around the fact that there's there's a child that's about to be born here. There's a child that's coming to be, that's coming to live in this world, and will have a destiny that goes on forever. Wow. This is, this is shocking and stunning when you think about it. You get you get God involved in all of that. I think that it raises this sense of stewardship, this sense that a child is an entrustment, a child is a gift, a child's a gift from God, and, and not something that we just take for granted that is automatic. And so this is the first part of Carrie and my story regarding children. I know it's the, the birthday of my oldest daughter, Mary Grace, but that boy, that barely begins to tell the story of the way in which children and having babies were a part of Carrie and my married life. So we were married in August of 1994, right? So tw- 29 years ago, almost 30 years. And, and yet Mary Grace just turned 24. That's 1999. Okay, so five years later, was when our first child came to birth. And what, you know, that five-year gap between marriage and the birth of our first child was a painful time for us. It was painful, right? We never used contraception. It wasn't not even a question for us. But we were open to life from the beginning, and for a brief period of time, we um, considered NFP, well, we used NFP, natural family planning, with the idea of wanting to be open to life in accord with God's plan. 
But after, I don't know, maybe six months, it was like, no, you know, this is, this is, we're going to become what are called providentialists. Providentialists. You know what a providentialist is? Providentialist is that God will provide. It's supernatural family planning. <laughs> uh, it's not charting, uh, you know, temperatures and things like this uh, in terms of understanding the woman's fertility or fertility awareness. No, it's, you know what? We're going to be open to life and the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide a child and the Lord will provide for us as he provides children for us. And the mystery of the way things unfolded in our married life was that we had difficulty conceiving. And so for over three years, we struggled with infertility. And this was so painful, so difficult. It was certainly not expected. We, they, we went to doctors to try to discover what, what was wrong. Was there some medical issue? And the doctors didn't find anything. And it was just that we were not getting pregnant. The, the suffering involved in this, for us, was immense. It's a natural thing to think, well, did we do something wrong? There was a, a bit of a, an embarrassment, honestly. It was a bit embarrassing for us to not be able to, to become pregnant. I know that might sound odd, but for us, it was, it was painful. It was a suffering. And, and not just that sense of what did we do wrong, but Lord, why are all these other people getting pregnant? Like we're a lot holier than all those people over there. <laughs> we didn't say it exactly like that, but there was a way in which like, Lord, why are these women who are you know, not in a married situation in very broken circumstances and very broken people getting pregnant? and having child after child, and here we are, seemingly very well suited and, and ready and expectant and excited and, and awaiting a child, not getting pregnant. That was a great suffering. It was a tremendous suffering, not knowing. I, I remember uh, during those times, a Mother's Day was a very difficult time for us. And to sit through Mother's Day masses and have the women, the moms stand up and be prayed for and then get a rose. And uh, maybe there would be some kind of gatherings on Mother's Day. Uh, Carrie and I ended up realizing, you know, this was just so hard. We would like, go to a, you know, an early mass or a mass on Saturday evening and then take a drive. So we would just uh, be away on Mother's Day. It was hard. It was hard not knowing. It was like, Lord, what, what is going on here? And, and so that was sort of part one of our story was years of infertility. And, uh, and so pray for women who struggle with infertility. It's a, it's, a, it's a deep cross. It's a difficult cross. And, and it can lead to a lot of questioning, Lord, why? Why me? Why us? Why this? Lord, what's the way out? What's the way forward? So we had lots of people praying for us, lots and lots of people praying for us, including Mother Teresa, of all people. Yes, that's right. And, uh, and then in 1998, Carrie got pregnant. And what, what a 
What, an, what a time of excitement. What a time of great joy. Well, this then leads to part two of our story, because in you know the late spring of 1998, we got pregnant. Carrie got pregnant, and and then I, I needed to take a trip for my evangelization work, my my work for the church. And I got on a plane, and I flew. And I remember it was at a uh, it was a national conference on evangelization. And I was one of the speakers at the conference. And it was kind of an exciting thing for me, kind of a big deal, until I got a phone call. And it was a phone call of Carrie in tears. I'll tell you why in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I'm going to talk about names, the names of our children, in just a, a little bit. But I'm kind of walking you through the story of the gift of children, the gift of uh, becoming pregnant, and how that's connected to a married life, and the mystery of, of how God's plan has unfolded in our life on this day where um, we're celebrating the the 24th birthday of our oldest daughter, Mary Grace. Okay, so here we are. It's uh, it's in uh, the middle of June. It was actually June 13th, 1998, and I get this phone call. And the phone call is from Carrie. So I'm in, I'm in I think, uh, where am I? I'm in Boston or I'm in D.C.? I'm in Boston is where I am. No, outside of Boston. I was like in Worcester, Mass., where, where this conference was. And I got the phone call from Carrie, and she's crying. And she lets me know that she's miscarrying. She's miscarrying our our first child, our the the first pregnant she's she's had, and she's having a miscarriage. And that was that was, you know, I. I I knew the suffering that was involved in infertility. Now I would know the mystery of a different kind of suffering. And that was the suffering of getting pregnant and having all of the excitement and joy and the disclosure to others to celebrate the gift of pregnancy and then to only lose that pregnancy in a miscarriage. That was hard. That was a different kind of suffering. I'm not saying it was harder or it was just different, but it was painful. And and what made it in particular like the the added suffering was that it happened while I was away. While I was away doing God's work, here I was, here I was serving the church and serving the Lord and just being away from my wife and and then she experiences this miscarriage and and I'm like, okay, I, I blame, right? There's there's a lot of blame that I want to put around here. Okay, was it on me? Uh what about you, God? Here I am serving you. Why would you do this to me? So blaming the Lord. And that was hard. That was really difficult. So 
So that happens, and um, we ended up naming that child Claire. Well, why Claire? Well, June 13th was the feast of uh, St. Anthony of Padua, a Franciscan. But our discernment was, our sense was, that our oldest child, this child, was a girl. And so if it was a boy, we would have, obviously, our sense was to name the child Anthony if it was a boy. But our sense was, no, this is a girl, and let's name this child Claire, right? Uh, one of the very first Franciscans, and Claire of Assisi. And so that's what we named her, Claire. And, uh, you know, we have this sense of connection to Claire. She was born to heaven on June 13th, 1998. So Mary Grace is our oldest child here on earth, alive. But she has an older sister, Claire, in heaven. And Claire is in the fullness of life. This is our firm hope, the hope of our faith, is that uh, the Lord did not will her into existence to have her uh, disappear, but to be with him forever in heaven. And so the, that she is there. And I, I, she's still watching now. She's actually watching over her siblings and us with her prayers. And, and so uh, after this happens, we, um, we turn even more to prayer and it's like, okay, all right, Lord, um, we've now, you know, known the mystery of infertility. Now we know the mystery of miscarriage. Well, in January of 1999, Carrie becomes pregnant again. And this time we, we turn to Padre Pio. Uh, St. Pio of Pietrocina, St. Padre Pio. At this time, he's not a saint. This time, he's just venerable. And... There is a reason why we turn to Padre Pio. So Padre Pio, I have a third-class relic of Padre Pio. It's a piece of cloth that touched a first-class relic. And, um, and so I would, I would have this, I would carry the relic around in my wallet, just as a sign of my devotion to Padre Pio and asking for his intercession. And so when... Carrie became pregnant, and, and we discovered this. I gave her the uh, the relic, and and just said, you know, Carrie, let's let's ask Saint Padre Pio for his intercession, and uh, and and you carry the relic as a sign of saying, Padre Pio, you understood suffering, you understood through the stigmata what it was, and. Um, you know, with the wounds that were bleeding, the, the the this conformity to Christ crucified, and we're like, hey, will you pray to preserve this pregnancy? And and so we did. We we looked to him and and we're praying for his intercession. Well, a few months later, in May of that year, Saint John Paul II, the Pope, announced that Padre Pio would be beatified. And when he is beatified, he's going to get a feast day. There's going to be a day associated on the calendar of saints with Padre Pio. And, and he announced the day. The day that he announced was September 23rd. Now, this was meaningful and beautiful and confirming to Carrie and me 
because back in January, four months prior, we were asking Padre Pio to pray for Mary Grace. Oh, we didn't know it was a girl. To pray for our unborn child. And we had a due date. The due date the doctor gave us for this unborn child that Carrie was carrying was, yes, indeed, September 23rd. <laughs> are you tracking with me? So here we are. This due date is September 23rd, back in January, and we're saying, Padre Pio, pray for us. May comes along, and John Paul II says, September 23rd is going to be the feast day of St. Padre Pio. So we took that as a beautiful sign on the calendar itself that heaven was watching, the Lord saw, the Lord was hearing and answering our prayers. Now, what this also meant was that when our child was born, if that child was in fact born on the 23rd, if it was a boy, that child's name would be Pio. <laughs> and if it was a girl, Pia. Well, let's just say that Mary Grace was very happy to be born on September the 28th. So she dodged a bullet. <laughs> Though there are many, it's, it's so interesting, I've met many girls named Pia. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a more recent thing. And I've encountered more Pias in, uh, let's see, traditional Latin mass families and in families that, uh, whose kids went to uh, schools like Steubenville, right? You, you get some of these uh, more recent saint names, so it doesn't stand out as quite as, as different. Anyways, so you can see here, there's this sense of connecting connecting the name that, remember now, the name that we're talking about giving to our child is a name that is, in a sense, told to us, discerned by us, rather than chosen by us. It, it's as if the name was chosen for us. So, okay, so where did Mary Grace come from? Well, Carrie and I, when uh, the when our first baby was born, it's a girl. We had um, come up with that name as the name that we would give to that first child of ours if that child was a girl. And it was a way that we were honoring heaven. We were honoring our Catholic faith. We were honoring the Lord our God for the gift that the Blessed Mother had been in my life, in Carrie's life, and in our married life. Um, I had a, like a, a sweet, real devotion to the Blessed Mother, and she was a very important part of my own conversion as a teen, and uh, my late teen years, and, and, and also um, in my own family life growing up. And the same was true for Carrie. And so when we got engaged, the first thing we did after, you know, we were at Mass and we were kneeling in front of the Blessed Sacrament when I, after Mass, when I asked her to marry me, we went over to the, uh, to this, um, uh, this piece of art, uh, this fresco of the Holy Family, and we consecrated our uh, engagement in our married life in our family to the Holy Family. And so uh, having this sense of Mary Grace be her name was a way of honoring the Blessed Mother as a gift that the Lord had given 
to me and to Carrie in our married life. And so we love that name, Mary Grace. And uh, it's so neat when we when we share that name, we've I think we've inspired two, three other Mary Graces, two other, at least two other Mary Graces, if not three other Mary Graces, um, from couples who um, named their kids Mary Grace uh, after hearing Carrie and I talk about that name. Oh, I love that name. That's a beautiful, I think that's cool. So um, maybe we were angels, little conduits, right, to help folks discern a name. (laughs) Okay, so that's our first child, Mary Grace. Okay, so this is Tom Carnson on the program. I'm sort of sharing with you a bit about the the journey of uh, Carrie and my life, and our married life. This journey that involves children, and and you know, you're here. You are if you if you know us, you say, oh, they've got nine kids. Well, th- this was not an issue for them. Now, now you're discovering if if you haven't heard the story that the first part of our married life involved infertility for over three years, uh, almost four years, and then. Uh, our first encounter with um, pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. That was Claire. And then our second pregnancy was Mary Grace being born. Okay, so the story gets even more complicated because over the course of the next, uh, let's see, four years between 1999 and 2003, so three and a half years, no, four and a half years, three and a half years, um, we would become pregnant, Carrie would become pregnant, and end up miscarrying about nine times. And and so this was a, a, another part of our story that just was so difficult and uh, mysterious and a way in which Jesus crucified came close to us was a repeated, just this repetition of time after time after time of Carrie becoming pregnant, us announcing this great news, having an expectant faith that the Lord who granted us the gift of becoming pregnant would have a child be born of Carrie, only to lose that child in a miscarriage. And so each of these children that were in that window of time. Uh, we also marked the date when that child went home to God, that the, the, the day that we lost the child um, through miscarriage. And one of the dimensions that, that grew from this was a way in which that when there's a part of your life, when there's a part of our lives, but when there's a part of your life that you have a sense of you see God blessing, only to have it be taken away. You see and experience God pouring forth a gift, only to see that gift ripped away. It becomes, it became hard for us, maybe not for you, but it became harder and harder for us in this dimension of our lives to trust God. Lord, why would we want to trust you when we've experienced this many times this suffering of, of 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 becoming pregnant and then losing the child, right? This was so hard, and what it made us want to do was hide this dimension of our life from others. 
I know that sounds weird to you. Again, you can hear this and you can say, well, I don't get that. But we would become pregnant and we didn't want to tell anybody because we didn't want to get people's hopes up. And yet we would want people to pray for us. And then when people would pray, they'd say, I just have this strong sense that the Lord is saying that this child is going to come to birth. This child won't end in a miscarriage, only to have the child, the pregnancy end in miscarriage. And it was, again, just another, just another suffering. And so as this is unfolding in our lives, uh, miscarriage after miscarriage, Carrie and I we were faced with another discernment. And the discernment this time was, well, Lord, we love children. We would love a family that would have multiple children, many children. And and yet, Lord, it doesn't, the signs are that this is not going to happen through Carrie's body. This, is, this isn't going to be how it happens. And so we began to explore the foster care system and the foster to adopt program. And this was not, again, this wasn't sort of something that we had planned before we got married, but it was one of those things that said, well, Lord, we want to be open to receiving a child from you in whatever way that you intend. So this leads us to the next dimension of our story, which involves, well, I'll tell you in a minute what it involves. Hey, welcome back to the program. Okay, so this is Tom Curran. I'm sharing with you the journey of Carrie and my married life when it comes to children and the way that the Lord grew our family. So here we are. We now have one child. We've experienced now, let's see, say 10 miscarriages, and 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 we are not seemingly finding fruit. There, there's fruit that's expected that's not happening. And so we look at the foster care system. Carrie goes and takes classes to get us licensed. And we start looking at adoption only to find out that adoption is a really expensive process and involves um, an intensive, extensive selection process. And if you can remember now, I'm in ministry. Carrie's a teacher. Carrie's now staying home with our child. And I'm still a student uh, finishing my doctoral dissertation. Let's just say that didn't give us the, um, let's say, the most uh, wealthy uh, parent profile, family profile. And so it was like, okay, this is not going to be easy to be able to even adopt a child. So what ends up happening is I end up going to um, Boise, Idaho. I'm doing a, re- uh, a parish mission there. And I share some of this story about the cross and how this cross has touched our lives. And a woman comes up to me and says, I, um, I, work, in a, um, I work in a hospital. No, I work in a, sorry, in a, a law office. And there's a woman here, a teenager, uh, who is pregnant. And she's coming because she is intending to give up her child for adoption. And she said, are are you interested in learning more about this? Well, I said, well, yes. Come to find out that there's this Catholic attorney who devotes a part of his practice to help um, uh, Catholic families that are in need of placing a child for adoption to other Catholic families. And so... We learn more about the the situation when we become involved in sharing our situation and, and our story. 
um, and put together this sort of family profile and all of that. And, and, and then all of a sudden, and this is going to connect to naming because this ends up with, um, that being the story of our second child, our second child is adopted. And there are a couple of dates here that are meaningful. And so the first of these dates is July 26th. And July 26th, I will get up in the morning. And at this point, we have submitted our family profile to the attorney. And there are, I guess, several other families that have also submitted their, you know, their file, their profile. And this, um, uh, this young lady is deciding which family would be the one to, uh, to receive her child when she gives birth. And talk about praying in a different way. <laughs> like, like, Lord Jesus, we want this child to go to whatever family that you've intended. No, actually, Lord, we don't want that. We want this child to come to us. <laughs> I mean, that's an authentic prayer. That was the prayer we prayed. Like, Lord, but what did that do? It also broke open this idea that said, God God makes a family a family. God does it in his way. And we can tend to think that, oh, families only come together by a, a, a mom giving birth to a child. And that's how a child enters a family. And that's typical, right? That's the standard. But that's not the only way that a child enters a family. Another way a child enters a family is through adoption, And then in our lives, there was also a third way that God was forming a family, and that was a child that was uh, conceived by Carrie, but then a child that was taken home to heaven out of time, out of our ordinary plan, and that was through a miscarriage. So God had given us some children for a time only to take them home to heaven. God had given us a child to be born and to, to be our child that way, and then now, God was going to give us a child, a child that God had willed for our family through another woman, a birth mother. And that woman would give birth to the daughter, the child that would come to us. So on the, on the day of July 26th, we wake, uh, we wake up and I, I say to Carrie, I say, Carrie, today's the day. Today we are going to receive a call that we've been chosen to be the family to receive this child. And uh, she was just like, wow. She just was so struck by my sense of confidence and, and my discernment. And sure enough, it happened. And it was a very powerful thing for us because the day that it happened was the Feast of Saints Joachim and Anne. So that, that that's the feast of Jesus' grandparents, the feast of the mom and dad of the Blessed Mother. And so, again, the Blessed Mother comes into play here. And so, to top it all off, let's kind of quickly track the rest of the story. Uh, This child, we didn't know boy or girl, was born. And again, I just had this sense it was going to happen on August 15th. And sure enough, 1030 at night, August 15th, our daughter is born. Uh, And so, here we go. We have a daughter that we was chosen for our family on July 26th, the Feast of Joachim and Anne, and the child is born on August 15th, the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Mother. And so, what do we name this daughter? Anne Marie. And so, 
there you see, it's when I say to you that names have meaning, names are connected to the will and plan of God. Names can be discerned rather than decided. This was a name that we just read the signs as they were connected to our lives that this is the name of this child that God has willed and planned and entrusted to our family, Anne-Marie. And so that's our second child. And so, okay, whew. So let's see. So we have a, a period in our lives where we experience infertility for a few years. We have a period of time where we experience, after the birth of our first child, multiple miscarriages. And, and now we have the whole process and the difficulty, the anxiety, the stress, the challenges associated with adopting a child. Okay, but there's more. <laughs> so, so what is fascinating is that when Anne-Marie came into our lives, things shifted, and all of a sudden, the reality of miscarriage um, went away, went away from our lives, and all of a sudden, Carrie became pregnant. Now, we look at this as connected to, in part, our own increased um, awareness of Carrie's fertility, but the supernatural dimension of receiving the intercessory prayer of Mother Teresa and, well, not at that point, she was, she was now in heaven, <laughs> but prior to that, and this group of sisters from Prayer Town in uh, Texas, in Prayer Town, Texas, these uh, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and these sweet sisters were praying for us, praying for us, and all of a sudden we got pregnant, Carrie got pregnant, and lo and behold, uh, in March of that, uh, in, in 2003, we have another child come to birth. And this is another daughter. And so as we're, again, trying to pray and discern, Lord, what's the name of this child? We would look to not just names we liked, but names that had a spiritual significance to our lives that were also connected to this sense of identity and purpose that God would have for this child. And so the name that we discerned was Mary Catherine. And so uh, you're seeing a pattern that's, that's developing here, and it's, it's kind of humorous because from a, from a human standpoint, it, you kind of smile at it. You're kind of like, well, what are they thinking? Because now we have a Mary Grace and Anne Marie, and now a Mary Catherine, a third child, a girl. And the, the sense here, the discernment here was that St. Catherine of Siena was a very beloved saint of mine. I felt a, a sense of real connection to her. And uh, there's something true about uh, the, that Catherine of Siena was a world beater. That's, that's what I like to say. She just had this ability to say, I'm taking on the world. And in I see that in a couple of women's names, Catherine and Teresa. If you want to name uh, women, if you want to name a daughter, a name that is strong, that is going to tackle the world, two names pop out to me, Catherine and Teresa. Those names are often associated with women that are very strong. Like look at the name Teresa and the number of doctors of the church that are Teresa's, 
right? And St. Catherine is also a doctor of the church. And so I, I loved the idea of having uh, this sense that uh, St. Catherine of Siena was praying for us, that, that, that this child had this strength of character that was uh, like a world beater. And yet the Blessed Mother also involved in this, Mary Catherine, there was a way in which that was a, a softening, a, a docile dimension to her life as well. And boy, I got to tell you that the name impacts the personality in, in her life. All right, back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. So I'm sharing with you this theme, this theme of you just never know when you enter a path like the path of marriage and you have this sense of a plan and a vision or an idea for how you might want to have children be part of your married life. And I, Carrie and I are just witnesses to this reality that we had no idea, no idea what was coming, no idea the way in which the uh, concept of, of getting pregnant, staying pregnant, um, having a child be born would involve all kinds of crosses and difficulties and suffering. And yet the Lord would be using this uh, in a way that says, this is for your sanctification. This is for my purpose and plan. This I, I will be glorified in this if you have enough room for me to, to, to be able to accomplish this. And so uh, sharing the name Mary Catherine, I talked about Mary Catherine being a world beater. Well, uh, there's also a way in which um, she has undergone a tremendous amount of suffering in her own life through um, medical conditions. So she's someone who underwent uh, nine surgeries in her first 11 years connected with um, her physical condition from literally the moment she was born. And uh, the amount, uh, like you talk about having uh, the, the, the spirit of Catherine and the spirit of the Blessed Mother, you know, how, was I, how are we supposed to know the journey that she would be on and that we would take with her having a child that suffers and suffered greatly and daily um, for so many years in her life? And it was something that we as parents were also asked to undergo and to walk out. And so it's like, all right, Lord. (laughs) So who knew what we were signing up for, right? Who knew what we were signing up for? But the Lord, hey, the Lord is the faithful God, and and, and there's a way in which these names are connected to the, the, the identity and the purpose for which he has created them. Well, now there was another stage in our own Uh, growth of a family. And this would be the 15-month stage. So 15 months after uh, Mary Catherine comes Ariana. 15 months after Ariana comes John Mark. 15 months after John Mark comes John Luke. Just over 15 months, like more like 20 months, 24 months later uh, comes Annalise. And then about 17 months later comes uh, Luciana, and then about 19, 20, 20, 24 months comes Liliana. So after, after that stage of infertility and that stage of multiple miscarriages came the stage of pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy, after pregnancy 
bringing a child to birth. And this is where the reality of providentialism really manifested itself, that we're open to life, the Lord will provide the gift of a child, and the Lord will provide for us as we are open to him. That idea of being generous and being open to life. And, and then watch what the Lord will do. Watch what the Lord will do. Well, here, here we are now at a stage where our youngest is 11 years old, followed by 13 and 14, and then from there. And I, I just want to give you a testimony and say, John Paul II, he had it right. The, the greatest gift God gives to a married life is a child, and the greatest gift that you give to a child is a sibling, a brother or a sister. And having, being open to many children, that they, they refer to that as being generous, having a sense of generosity and being open to life, it has the potential, the huge potential of creating a richness in your kids' lives that is, it, it's, I, I, you know, I, it, it sort of leaves me speechless. It sort of leaves me speechless to try to describe the the beauty the the magnificence of the way in which our kids enjoy each other and relate together because there are many of them close in age together so my encouragement to those that are young and and married uh, be open to life be open to generously receive life from god and you will be immensely blessing your children with siblings. And you'll be immensely blessed, immensely blessed as your children get over, get older, get over. <laughs> as your children get over, get older. And, and, and the reality is as well, immense crosses, not even a question. Immense pouring yourself out giving of yourself, giving of yourself sacrificially. So this is, you know, I would not trade it, would just absolutely would not trade it for anything, you know. And how many times have we had couples that are our age or a little bit older that grew up in a time where they were, where they were encouraged not or not discouraged from using contraception as a way of planning their family size and planning a pregnancy and found themselves with uh, a couple of children. Now, there are, I have several friends who, for um, the mystery of, of the physical realities of the husband or the wife, have been unable to have children or have been uh, severely limited in terms of the number of children that they were able to have as a family. So no judgment, not a judgment at all. In fact, I just I know that the, the, the cross that it is for many of them, but it, for those who had so many good things in, in, from, the, from the world, Right, the giftings and capabilities and resources and relationships and all these other things, and chose to limit their family size. How many of them came up to us and said, "I was 
ripped off. I was swindled. I was robbed. I was deceived. I was misled. I longed to have more children. I long. I wish I had more children. But we were told, we were, what was fostered in us, what washed over us was just have a couple of kids. And boy, if you had three kids, boy, that's a lot. And, and it, it's a culture shift, right? They're, they're, we are definitely shifting out of that time into a time where this idea of being open to to more life and more children is, is, praise be to God, in the air, in the atmosphere. It's witnessed to by more and more families. Uh, I mean, when we go to St. Joan of Arc in, in Post Falls, uh, you know, we're, we are, you know, we're mid-range, nine children. <laughs> nine children's mid-range, folks. This is not, we're not at the top end, okay? So, yeah, you see families come in, 10, 12, 14, 15 kids, and it's just like, wow. I, you know, I thought, you know, I thought we were, I thought we were, yeah, I'll just stop talking. Okay, so I want to um, finish with the naming part of things where it's like, if you take a look at our kids, the theme that, that runs across all of the kids' lives is the Blessed Mother. It's just like, wow, I didn't... Uh, it was just something that showed up. It wasn't something that we had said, we have to include the Blessed Mother here in the names of all of our children. But uh, And the Blessed Mother is either present through her name or through her mother's name, Anne. In fact, Anna or Anne is the most common name in my girls, right? So, um, you know, Anne Marie is our second, and then our fourth daughter is Ariana, and then we have Anne Elise, and then we have Luciana and Liliana. So among our girls, uh, you want to have the favor of the Blessed Mother. You want the Blessed Mother to smile. I know I'm speaking very, you know, as, as if she's not in heaven smiling, but you want to you want to uh, you, you bring about an endearing quality into the uh, the sparkle in the eye of the Blessed Mother looking upon you. Name a child after her mother. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a it's like we did it strategically to to win the favor of the Blessed Mother, but I think there's something just very endearing about that. And uh, neat stories of how each of these names came to us as oh, that's the name, like Luciana. Uh, we got that name from Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati from reading his life story. His sister was Luciana or Luciana. We call her Luciana. And that's where her name came from. Liliana, our last one, came from an angel. Yes, that's right. The angel was the nurse who was with us in the recovery room. Our daughter was born. The next day, we're in the hospital room. Everyone's asking, what's the child's name? And we keep saying, we don't know. We don't know. And this nurse comes in, just filling in. And she's filling in some information at the computer. And she says, you know, if I had another child, I'd name her Liliana. And we're like, that's it. It's Liliana. And that which is just so endearing. And the boys, John Mark and John Luke, who's the beloved disciple, the one who has entrusted the Blessed Mother into her home? John. And so, more, way more to say, but I'm out of time. I hope that was a blessing. The mystery of God's plan, be open to it.